Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. How did you get involved with exorcisms? Well, you know, as a, as a scholar of uh, American religious history, I wrote a paper on um, William Peter Blatty's novel, The Exorcist. Uh-huh. And, and that got published, and uh, one thing uh, led to another. And we're creating a new major in religious studies here at Texas State, and I was told, make a course that'll get butts in seats. So I started teaching a class on exorcism, and, and now I've become maybe not a, a great expert, but a, but a bit of an authority anyway. The Catholic Church takes exorcisms pretty darn seriously, doesn't it? That's right, and, and this is something that the Catholic Church used to be embarrassed about, right? Before mm-hmm. the novel The Exorcist in 1971, it was something nobody wanted to talk about, and now it's, it's part of what makes the Catholic Church special. It's a selling point. I mean, now they even basically advertise for priests to become exorcists. That's right. So the, the film in 1973 created a huge demand for exorcism, and the Catholic Church realized if we won't give these people exorcisms, now they can go to the Pentecostals, they can go to the Charismatics, they can go to the Evangelicals. So, you know, we, we have no reason not to, uh, not to you know, open up our arms to them anymore. Joseph, in your opinion, what is an exorcism? Well, I define exorcism as getting rid of an unwanted spirit from a person, place, or thing. And this is something that we see in basically every culture in the world for all of recording, recorded history, right? We have um, clay tablets describing ways of, of casting out spirits. So this is something that human beings have always done. Well, let's talk about the Penguin Book of Exorcisms. And tell me about the title. Well, you know, Penguin uh, has done a whole series of these texts on witches and hell and the undead, and it's sort of a way to take classic texts and make them uh, interesting, right, especially for uh, college students. So they, they approached me about this project, and I basically tracked down uh, texts describing exorcisms from really all over the world, um, including... Uh, uh, legal documents, um, these ancient tablets I mentioned, uh, uh, poetry and legends, uh, scientific journals by parapsychologists, uh, really just a whole range of of stuff uh, to kind of show uh, what a diverse and widespread phenomenon this is. Is there a region of the planet that has more exorcisms than other, other parts? Uh, that's a really interesting question. I mean, in... Christianity obviously is, is sort of uh, uh, emphasizes exorcism probably more um, than some of the other major world religions. And right now, actually, we're seeing, I think, a huge sort of renaissance of exorcism. It's, it's much more popular than it was uh, even a few decades ago. The only other period in history where I think we've seen this level of exorcism is in Europe during the wars of religion. We know that right after the Protestant Reformation and we had Protestants and Catholics fighting, we, we had lots and lots of people saying they were demonically possessed then as, as well. How does somebody get possessed anyways, Joseph? Well, everybody has a different opinion about this, right? So the, one of the traditional Catholic views is that um, if you're a sinner, if you're doing bad stuff on a typical basis, then the devil isn't really interested in you, and you're, you're kind of not worth the, the time to, to, to be possessed. Um, in the Catholic tradition, uh, demons often go after people who are very holy, because those are ones who are uh, reaching some kind of spiritual uh, uh, breakthrough, and that's sort of the demon's last chance to, to stop them. But in other traditions, such as the evangelical tradition, they might say, if you have a demon, it's because 
you messed with a Ouija board, or you read, you know, maybe you read too many Harry Potter books, or you took a yoga class. Right. Um, so in, in many cultures, there is an idea that there are certain taboos, and if you break these, you're, you're liable to get possessed by something. To, well, to get possessed, do you have to let your guard down? Uh, there's there's uh, you know, lots of different opinions about this. There are debates about if you've been baptized as a Christian, right, can you still get, get possessed? And then there's many different shades of possession, right? So there's, some people would say, well, you can be... You can be demonized, where, where a spirit or a demon is sort of affecting your, your emotions, or you can be full-on possessed. And the, the priest, Malachi Martin, who was a guest on the show years ago, said yep. it's even possible to be what he called perfectly possessed, where you actually sort of like having a demon living in you. And he would say, in that case, there's nothing an exorcist can do for you. Does the possessed know that they've been possessed? Well, in the sort of famous cases, yes. Right, we, we we've had people who've said I'm possessed. I I, I need help, um, but especially nowadays, there are lots of people who would say that it's possible to to, to be possessed and and never realize it. Right, and uh, this is you know when people are acting in ways that um, maybe an exorcist or a pastor disagrees with, they might say, "We'll see. That's that's the demons making you do that." Well, sometimes when like the guttural voices come out of the person, does that person hear that voice? That's a really interesting question. You know, I think that that is different from case to case. I've, I've definitely seen cases where people have said, I don't remember any of it. You know, I, I really just remember the beginning of the exorcism and then coming through at the end. Uh, and then there are other people who seem to be, um, you know, have a perfect memory of everything that happened. I've even found a case of a woman writing letters to her exorcist as the demon. Right. So somebody put that letter in, in the mail. I don't know if it was her or, or the demon, but that's something that I've, I've found as well. Interesting take. Now, in your particular case, have you ever witnessed or become part of an exorcism? No, you know, I've never witnessed an exorcism, and I'm sure I could learn a lot by doing that. The reason is that I think it would be a bit like viewing somebody's therapy session. I really think it would whatever... Be. Whatever you believe is happening during an exorcism, this is a really important moment in someone's life and spiritual development when a lot of trauma uh, is, is, is coming through. So it's not something that I really want to be pushy about and, and, and try to stick my nose in where it's, where it's not needed. It should probably be just between the victim and the exorcist. Yeah, that's, the, that's the conventional wisdom. You know, there are folks like Bob Larson, who will go to a hotel ballroom and say anybody who wants their demon cast out, uh, I'm step on up and, and, and I'll do it. But especially the more spectacular exorcisms are usually uh, uh, done in, in, in private and in a more intimate setting than that. How often do we hear stories of exorcisms? I mean, are these things occurring every day? They are, yeah. And, you know, if an exorcism goes right, we never hear about it, right? It, it's, it's only if... Only the bad ones. That's right. It's only if something really dangerous happens or somebody is very badly frightened or somebody is, is, is hurt or unfortunately killed uh, that, that we're liable to even hear about it. So they're going on every day. I tried to interview the last remaining priest from the original exorcist movie uh, in St. Louis, but he died before I was able to get to him. Uh, he did not like to go public anyway, but uh, I was getting really close to an interview with him, Joseph, and it didn't happen, and he died. Are there any well-known exorcists out there today? Sure. You know, there there is a big demand for this, and there are always sort of um, uh, figures that come up and, and become famous. So um, uh, uh, Gabriella Morse, who, who recently passed, was probably the most famous exorcist 
uh, in the world. He uh, recently appeared in a documentary by William Friedkin uh, called The Devil and Father of Morris, where you can watch him uh, perform an exorcism. Um, uh, Antonio Fortilla uh, is also a famous exorcist. So I think uh, as long as this demand exists, different figures will sort of emerge as, as leaders for uh, the, the exorcism movement that we're seeing right now. There was a archbishop who called for a mass exorcism sometime this year. Who was that guy? Oh, boy. That was Carlo uh, Maria Vigano. Uh, he is an archbishop from Italy. And in Italy, exorcism is a lot more sort of mainstream than it is in Catholic churches uh, in, in, in North America. Um, and he wanted to do this mass exorcism the day before Easter uh, because he said the coronavirus pandemic is... Uh, a frenzy by Satan. So I find this this interesting because he's not using this to solve a spiritual problem. He's using it to solve uh, a medical problem, and he's doing it on a large scale. And this is something else we have been seeing. I have even seen priests in South America getting in helicopters and pouring buckets of holy water onto entire neighborhoods. Jeez. And and they say that this is going to you know lower the crime rate by sort of kicking all the demons out of the neighborhood. Well, what happened to this Holy Saturday exorcism? Did it happen? I, I, I believe that it happened, yeah, um, whether or not that's going to... Um, Has it worked yet? Huh? <laughs> well, I think it depends on, on how you count. You know, Italy was pretty bad there for a while, so if they're, if they're doing better now, who knows? Maybe it's because of the exorcism. Does a demonic possession have a pattern to it, so you could actually say, here are some of the things that happen? Sure. So in the, the, the Catholic Church's contemporary literature on, on demonic possession, they would say the things that really prove this must be a possession and, and it can't be mental illness are things like the ability to speak in languages that you've never studied, the ability to know things that you couldn't possibly have, have known. So we have cases where uh, possessed people have a type of clairvoyance and they, they can say, you know, where everybody in the room was last night, or where people who are not there, what their address is in another uh, country or something. Um, superhuman strength, and then blasphemous rage, right? The, being right. unable to tolerate um, holy water or, or holy objects. If we look further back in the Christian tradition, though, there are other types of things that are also described as uh, a possession. So, for example, in the Gospels, uh, we, we see people who are healed by Jesus, and it says that they have demons who are making them mute or making them crippled. Um, so, so possession has not always meant this kind of very elaborate supernatural event, uh, but that's what it's regarded as nowadays. How do we know that this person isn't suffering some kind of mental illness? Because well, that's possible. It is possible, and it's important to pay attention to that and, and to try to rule it out, because if someone could, could benefit from psychiatric help, um, you, you don't want to be giving them uh, an exorcism. And this was, this was a big theme of the, 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 the film The Exorcist, and especially the novel, is that if you're really a skeptic, it's almost impossible to prove that this is really a demon. Um, so this is, this is really a, a, a conundrum, right? What, what kind of evidence uh, would, would be sufficient to, to show an exorcism is really warranted? Is the person who's been uh, possessed normally in bed when an exorcism occurs? They're, they're usually, you know, either... Um, uh, What's the seated, setting? Yeah. Yes, seated or, or in bed. Um, it's, it's, I haven't seen a lot of cases where it's necessary to uh, restrain people like in the film, but that has happened. And, and usually if an exorcism gets to that point, 
um, that's that's not good, right? This is when um, it's it's likely for the person to be in uh, physical danger. And we have had cases such as a famous one in in Romania uh, where people die uh, after being restrained for long periods during an exorcism. And has a psychiatrist ever been present? Do you know? So right now, there is a fellow named uh, Richard Gallagher, who is a psychiatrist, and he has a book coming out later this year. But he has said, uh, you know, I have seen certain people, and I think this is for real, that I saw things that, that, that were impossible. So, you know, psychiatrists who, who come out um, saying possession is real are maybe not taken very seriously by their peers, but they're certainly out there. Scott Peck was, was another one. And... Are they amazed with what they witness? Well, they are, right? And, I would and I think so. Be, I have to be modest about it, right, because I wasn't there, right? So if they say, you know, I saw someone levitate or things like this, oh, you know, I, I don't have a videotape of it. I don't, I don't know what really happens, um, and I'm, I'm reluctant to simply call them uh, uh, liars. So I have to be a little bit modest about these, these stories because I didn't see it myself. Can you generally take us, Joseph, through an exorcism? I mean, what happens when the priest gets into the room, or how's, how's it laid out? What's going on? Right. Well, it's different in, in every culture and in every uh, religion. Uh, but the Catholic Church in 1614 wrote the, the so-called Ritual Romanum, which contains all the sort of official rituals of the Catholic Church. And it's very clear that there is a, a set uh, list of prayers that have to be done, that only a priest can do this, that they must have the permission uh, of their bishop uh, uh, to perform it. Um, the, the text was updated in 1999, and some of the uh, older exorcists in the Vatican did not like the, the, the newer version of it. Uh, but basically, it's, it's a set of uh, uh, special prayers. And of course, what you see in the film The Exorcist is a more or less realistic depiction of, of the ritual. And of course, as you know, priests were, were consulted uh, to make sure that they had that right in, in that scene. Frightening, though, isn't it? It can be. You know, I, I, I've talked to sociologists who have witnessed exorcis, exorcisms in, uh, in Rome, and they said, actually, the one that I saw was, was pretty tame. <laughs> you know, uh, nothing, nothing that uh, wild uh, happened. But obviously, they, they can get uh, very dangerous. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I see cases all the time of someone who was injured or, or killed in, in an exorcism. So it's, it's something that should never be done uh, lightly and can has a great potential to get out of hand. And isn't it exhausting for a priest? It's it's said to be exhausting for a priest. In fact, there was a there was a tradition amongst some German Catholics that um, if if you do an exorcism, your life is permanently shortened. Right? That it's it's almost like it it, it takes a few years off of your life every time uh, uh, you do it. So traditionally, priests who who routinely do exorcism are said to be sort of um, very kind of physically strong, robust uh, uh, people. It's not always the case, but that's sort of the stereotype. How long have some people been possessed? Years and years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, one of the, the documents that I have in the Penguin Book of Exorcism, there's a, there's a pamphlet, which some people may know about, called Begone Satan. And it was translated from the German and appeared in the 30s, and it was about an exorcism that happened in Iowa in 1928. And I found a different account of that exorcism that was never published. And it begins with the words, this, this is never to be published. And what that reveals is those exorcisms never ended. 
and they had been going on for uh, uh, decades, and they were still going on when that document was published in in the 30s. So there are a few people for whom this this really just never ends. It becomes almost a lifestyle. When we take calls next hour with Joseph, if you have witnessed uh, an exorcism or if you know someone who has been exorcised, check in with us in addition to your questions. That would be something if we can get some of those callers, Joseph. Yes, it would. Now, since this has been going on in the Catholic Church since the beginning of time, actually, uh, and they advertised, I think a couple of years ago, they advertised for 120 exorcists. They were looking to replace some people who were retiring. What kind of a priest would re, I, would, would, would recommend joining something like that? What, what motivates them? Well, you know, by tradition, uh, every diocese in the world is supposed to have a, an exorcist. Um, and certainly in, in the 70s, when the exorcist came out, that wasn't really true. Um, so there is a concern that somebody needs to, to do this job, and, and they have to have someone in the diocese who, who takes it seriously. You know, the exorcist was very polarizing uh, for the Catholic Church, because a lot of people said, look, being, being Catholic is about you know, taking care of the poor and how you treat your neighbors and, and social justice. And, and I don't really want to talk about uh, evil and the devil. That seems like a big distraction. And other Catholics said, I'm glad someone is finally talking about this, right? The devil is real, and we're in a daily fight against uh, Satan every day. Um, so if that's the kind of person you are, if that's sort of what your faith means to you, you might be a good candidate uh, to become those exorcists that are that are needed to fill those roles. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.